Yes, my name is Andy Spiteri. Joined by Allison Aletha. Al, how's your weekend going, my friend? Are you adulting or not adulting um, this weekend? What's the deal? Half, half, and, half and half. I am trying not to go out as much as I have been every weekend because of gas. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Because um, I have to drive such a long way to work, so I'm trying to conserve as much gas as I can. But it's starting to warm up so i'm i'm thinking about doing a patio garden this year and so i'm kind of i've been kind of setting up for that this weekend um so so last year was the first summer in our in our house that we bought and so we did the backyard like we ripped up the stone and we put in like sod and we uh we got our deck kind of looking a little bit nicer and so this year for year two of the upcoming summer in our new house is going to be the front lawn which, like, we kind of never see because, like, we just park in the garage and then, like, come right into, like, the house. Like, we have a detached garage yeah. in the back. So, like, we don't really yeah. ever see our front yard. But, like, it's kind of, like, not great. Like, it's it, – it has one of those, like, trees, like, those small little trees that just, like, drop, like, berries everywhere. So your grass kind of looks like poop. And we got, like, oh, yeah. we got, like grass coming through the, through the middle of our steps and whatever. So, like, our, our project this year is, like – put like a, a ring of, of rocks around the tree and put like some bark around it so it doesn't look like so it doesn't look like hell on the front lawn like maybe maybe uh dig dig like trenches along the side of the stairs there's probably like a, a gardener word for that but you know what i mean when you have like rocks or something beside your your stones yeah i i can visualize what you're saying i don't know what it's called but yeah yeah i i feel you i'm i've putting off the we've been putting off the work on that for a long time but i feel like it's probably it's probably coming due here pretty quick uh but yeah i mean mm-hmm. you're right man I, I wish i wish i had a loft wing or something to fly to work because this is ridiculous right <laughs> yeah this is bad this is this is not fun at all <laughs> so and it's unfortunate because i was like really forcing myself not forcing but trying to be better about going out and doing stuff and being productive out every weekend because i used to not i used to just during the pandemic i realized how much i didn't do so it kind of sucks because i feel like i'm reverting back but at the same time i'm really trying to save money so <laughs> well, let me tell you something um we didn't save money but we raised money yesterday yeah for the trevor project on the champions cast twitch channel we had a great time we didn't you know mega metroid uh metroid mini marathon in support of the twit of the trevor uh project you can tell that i'm like absolutely wiped still from this yeah. from this stream i'm i'm mixing and matching my words everywhere but yeah it was a great time um it was my it was really my first time ever streaming like a full game on my own channel using my own computer using my own like switch and capture card and i have to say it was like pretty flawless like we, we you know there were no real big te- technical snafus and uh i think everybody had a good time and we raised uh just over almost 900 bucks so it was uh, it was a really good That's time awesome. and and i know that some of our listeners here uh came and hung out and, and donated and chatted so just wanted to give a big shout out and thank you to everybody that dropped by it was a great success and we'll do it again so yeah it was a uh, it was a cool time that's super awesome. I'm I'm excited that the like the streaming portion, all the technical stuff, was pretty flawless for you. I wasn't able to like hang out, but I did stop in 
a couple times just to check and see how everybody was doing and stuff. And I didn't say anything. I was busy. But I did hop in, and it looked good. So it looked like you were having a fun time, and everybody else was having a good time. And that's amazing. Almost $900. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> My mother-in-law, bless her heart, I was talking to her on the phone this morning. She's like, I, I couldn't figure out how to donate. I tried to, Aww. but I couldn't figure it out. And there's like this this like giant QR code that, you know, you can, you can click to donate. So it was, uh, it was awesome. She, yeah, Aww. it was very cute. Um, very sweet. But yeah, it was a really good time. And, uh, you know, I, I think I got a, a pretty decent time in super Metroid. I did a hundred percent items in two forty eight. Oh my God. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. It <laughs> just makes me feel like I didn't even hundred percent the game in like 16 hours. <laughs> Well, like I was, I was also kind of schmucking around too. So that, that time could have been oh, improved. Oh God, that makes it worse. So like I, there was a couple of times where like, I just put the controller down to like get a beer or to, uh, to like, just, just do stuff. I tried to mock ball a couple of times and it like was absolutely awful. It did not work at all. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good time. It was fun. Catherine dropped in actually. And I, I was making fun of one of my buddies for, for one of his fights in, uh, in Metro Dread. He was dying to this really easy boss and he died like eight times. And I was like, I think this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And Catherine's like, that's how I feel whenever I watch you play Twilight Princess. <laughs> I was like, God damn it. <laughs> oh, good old Catherine. Uh, yeah. I love her. Yeah, she's she's quick. She's witty. I know. She did, like, you just, you're, I wasn't expecting that. And I, sh- I probably should have been, but I wasn't. I was just, like, <laughs> brutalized out of left field. Poor Andy. Um, but from one of my absolute favorite games to another one of my absolute favorite games we are here today to do the definitive ranking of one legend of zelda ocarina of time we have not definitively ranked a game since uh summer what did we say summer 2021 yeah, last last summer I want to say because Skyward Sword came out. Yeah, that's right. Like HD. So we yep. we've done a couple uh, definitive rankings of like dungeons and stuff like that, but we're gonna go back to the well and we are going to revisit the definitive ranking game concept that our buddies over at the Hyrule Compendium have made famous. Uh, of course, Mossies and Goo have an ongoing series called the Definitive Ranking of Zelda, which you can check out on the Zelda Dungeon YouTube page, where they take 10 categories, uh, classic Zelda categories, and they uh, they basically rate the you know how the, the individual Zelda game does in these categories on a scale of 1 to 5. And uh, we're going to ape that concept. We're going to steal it today, and we're going to apply it to Ocarina of Time. And, I mean, spoiler, it's going to do well. You know, it's probably the best video game ever made, so we're going to see exactly how well it can do and um maybe i'll maybe we should just get into it or should i lay out what the categories are um i I think we should i think we should get into it let's just dive in okay um so here we go 10 categories the first one that we are going to rate is the world of ocarina of time and of course our scores are going to be from one to five one being the worst five being the best Allison, why don't you start us off? What say you about the world of Ocarina of Time? This is like, I I feel, we were talking about before the show, and I feel like, obviously, this is going to do really well. And I just, I don't want to be like five right off the bat. So I want to I just think about it for a second. But like, the world of Ocarina of Time 
It's very, very good. You know, compare it's it's bad to compare it to what worlds are like now because obviously it's definitely kind of compact compared to what we're experiencing now in gaming. But for the time, it was so massive, like how it changed. It felt it looked more open world back when it came out in '98. So it was massive. It's got all these different areas that are very well put together. Um, and like themed very well, different villages, uh, castle town, um, you know, Gerudo Valley in the desert. And then you got, uh, um, the volcano and all that kind of stuff. So like overall the world is really good. And I, I really don't want to just be like five, 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 this whole show, but I feel I, like the world for Ocarina of Time deserves a five. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't care. I'm, I'm giving it a five and it's an easy five. And I think that even in 2022, like, this world is a five. Um, yeah. Like, obviously, it's not as big or expansive as Breath of the Wild, but it's still, like, such a world filled with character. Um, mm-hmm. For the map that you have, you, you have, like, all those different locations that you just mentioned. The The way that Gerudo Desert feels so different from Lake Hylia, which feels so different from Kakariko Village, which is living under the threat of the ominous volcano in Death Mountain to, I mean, the charming and whimsical uh, Kokiri Forest and the Lost Woods. I mean, this is... This is nothing less than a five. This is, I think, the most magical um, video game world that that still has ever been created. Like, it, it may not be as big as other worlds, but the way that it just is so, like... Er- everything's so connected in a, in a very mm-hmm. organic way that I, I feel like it just feels so... Like, it just... It's, it feels so right. It feels so whimsical. Um, it's just... It's... You know, it's it's an incredible, it's an incredible achievement, especially back in 1998. But even in 2022, like you you play this game and you're like, this is this is fantastic. Like the way that the sun rises over Lake Hylia and like the way that you know you can get to the the graveyard in Kakariko and the the way that uh, and it's but we haven't even talked about the way that the world kind of changes after the seven year gap where like you yeah. see this this kind of devastated world where you know Zora's domain is frozen over or. Castletown is is a complete graveyard filled with redeads. It's it's just like a very, you know, the world is is spectacular. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. It's an easy five, I feel like, and that's going to be the theme of our show today. But yeah, you know, I mean, whatever. I don't care. That's an easy five. It is an easy five. I yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said. And it's just it's also very immersive. Like yes. sometimes, you know. Breath of the Wild is all about exploration, and you can go to every nook and cranny, but sometimes it just feels like you're looking at another uh, patch of grass, you know? Whereas every part of Ocarina of Time's world, it has, like, it has a purpose. And maybe that's a good thing for, for it being uh, much more compact. You know, it has, you're doing something in literally every place of, of this world, and I think that makes it much more immersive, much more enjoyable. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, the other thing that I want to add to that too, and and I don't know if this is part of like the art style or not, but uh, it it could maybe be part of both. But like to put to put yourself in context, in 1998, like the first time that you were in Hyrule Field, which at the time felt like it was just this massive field, and and to be honest, like it still kind of feels that way to me when I play it, even though you know obviously it's it's quite small by comparison's sake, but like. The first time you were in Hyrule Field and you saw the sunrise, I mean, that was just a spectacular moment in mm-hmm. time, right? Like, just seeing yep. the seeing the 
or the lightning around Death Valley or the the rain as the castle like the castle door came down it was, it's just an absolutely incredible um, experience so yeah easy five easy easy five and I guess that bleeds over into the art style which I'm also gonna give a five uh, I'm, I'm gonna jump ahead here Al I really like I think again this is an art style that just absolutely fantastically holds up in 2022. Um, I think that even, like, the character models still look really good. Like, they're a little bit pointy in that early kind of N64 way. But I think that they look really charming and good still. And, like, the, it, you know, kind of the, the upgrade that everybody got in Ocarina of Time 3D also looks very, very nice. But, like, the way that this game just uses its, like, color palette, I feel like is so expressive. Like, you got very vibrant, bright colors uh, all over the map, which I really love. But you also... Like, you can kind of get that dark and gritty tone, like, in the Shadow Temple or in Kakariko Graveyard without kind of looking dark and murky like maybe some other games have, have ventured into. Um, the way that the, like, the colors in this game just look so fantastic. I'm thinking of the, the Rainbow Bridge leading into the, uh, you know, Gavin's Castle. The way that it, this game uses, like, the, the different colors to represent all the different sages and their areas and stuff I think is spectacular. Um... You know, the enemies in here look absolutely great. The items look absolutely great. I mean, some of the bosses are still like, just breathtaking, like Volvega and, and all of those guys, uh, Bongo Bongo. I mean, it just like, it looks it looks awesome. Like, I really love the way... This is probably the closest thing to, like, a perfect Zelda art style for me. Maybe Breath of the Wild has passed it a little bit, but it's, it's kind of like a fusion, in a sense, of, like, of Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, where, like... I think both of those games ventured too far to the side for my liking. One was a little bit too cartoony. One was a little bit too, like, trying to be realistic. And, you know, this this really is the perfect cocktail um, in terms of Zelda art and how I like it to be, you know, how I like it to be uh, presented. So, yeah, this is another easy five for me. Um, I think I'm, I'm struggling between four and five on this, personally. I uh, Everything you just said, like, I totally agree with it again it was revolutionary how this game looked compared to other games that were coming out um during and before you know that time in video games so it was like it was just amazing to see at the time but i think i think time might kind of hurt it a little bit now obviously when it uh, was re-released in 3d it looked a lot better but there's still some stuff that's kind of like blocky about it and i just think it it was like to me, it's more like a stepping stone that has been grown upon for the Zelda series. So I think I'm gonna give it a four for myself. I, I mean, I would I would challenge. It's like, what game in the series do you think looks better than Ocarina of Time? Skyward Sword, Breath of the Wild. Okay, um, I I could I maybe accept Breath of the Wild. I I think Skyward Sword is a little bit artistically like I I really love the way Skyward Sword looks as well. But I think it's like a different mm -hmm. artistic approach i mean i i'm obviously a little bit biased with ocarina of time but like i i i legitimately still think that there are sections in like in this game that look spectacular like when you're playing with Sheik in the ice cavern or like when you're when you have that rainbow bridge leading towards the uh leading towards ganon's castle or like when you see the frozen zora's domain for the first time like uh you know the sunset that i mentioned these are like spectacular looking images which is crazy because this yeah. is you know 25 years later yeah, and I, I don't disagree with any of that. Like, it still looks amazing. And I, I like both N64 and the 3D versions um, because N64 has a lot of history in, in, in its art style and everything about it, really. 
But um, I don't know. I just, like I said, I feel like it's more like a stepping block. And other games have really taken that and run with what it was and improved um, significantly. So I'm just going to give it a four. <laughs> okay. I, you know what? I, I can accept that. Um, let's see what you have to say about the story. I'm interested because this is one of the one of the categories where I was kind of uh, weighing a little bit more heavily on there. This one and another one that we'll get to later. Um. Ooh, this is hard. Can I do like four point five? Because I feel like there's definitely a much more um more um what's the word I'm looking for? Like expanded or a detailed story in the Zelda series, which is also obviously Skyward Sword, but Ocarina of Time had so, like i'm pretty sure this was like the biggest story up until that point in zelda series like um anything before that kind of had a story but not really like as significant mm -hmm. as ocarina of time but it like it had something beginning to end something that was really fun to follow it had a lot of twists and turns Sheik becoming or being zelda was great ganondorf you find out that ganondorf is uh you know, he's talking to the king, but he turns out to be evil, obviously. But still, like, he's a very imposing bad guy. You have all these characters that you fall in love with that are an integral part of the story. So it's still, like, it's such an amazing story. But, like I said, I think there's just one that's better that I would automatically give a 5. So, I don't know. Can I do 4.5 for I think, this one? I think you got to commit. But uh, So I, I was... For me. Okay, I was kind of on the same, like, wavelength as you. And I was like, oh, would I say that this is the best story in the Zelda series? No, I wouldn't. I would say that Skyward Sword is. But just because I would give Skyward Sword a 5, it actually also doesn't mean that I would give... I wouldn't give Ocarina of Time a 5. And I, I think I'm going to as well. Because, like I said, there are... Um, like you kind of touched on, like there there is a lot of like really... You can break the story down into, like, a couple different portions, I feel like. So, first of all, there's, like, the world building and, and the lore that is so integral to the rest of the series. Um, you know, you you are introduced to the three golden goddesses and kind of the, the whole... You you did have the Triforce broken down into wisdom, power, and courage before, but I feel like Ocarina of Time, like, really kind of solidified the importance of that and really kind of solidified the intertwined destinies of Link, Zelda, and Ganondorf. So I feel like that the game really built on that, and that that's something that consistently like has been presented as a thread throughout the series. So I feel like it really does a great job in that way. Um, I feel like just narratively as a as a standalone story, the game is really awesome. You can see Link kind of grow and and adventure with all these other characters, and like eventually overcome Ganondorf. And you do have the the plot twists in there where Ganondorf actually comes in and seals away. And takes over the world basically for seven years, uh, which I don't think anyone was expecting back in the day. Um, you you have the the revelation of Sheik as you mentioned. So I think the actual like start to finish narrative of Ocarina of Time is also like very very strong. And then you kind of touch on as well like you have the third pillar of like the the different side characters and side stories that you can that you can uh, interact with and help and meet and stuff like that. And so like. I look at a bunch of these characters in the game. Um, let's say, let's say, like I look at a Mido or something like that, and I'm like, you know, this character has like a not a huge arc, but like a noticeable character arc, and, and is interesting to interact with. And you could kind of go down the list and like say, like, all right, well, I had a, a similar experience with Princess Ruto, or like I had a similar experience with Darunia or uh, Saria, and like all of these characters have really interesting side stories, and even the like the peripheral characters, I feel like 
are quite interesting in this story. Like the the cuckoo lady in Kakariko Village has uh, something going on, or like the uh, the the construction boss and his son who lives in in the woods. Like I just I feel like the, those stories are so interesting and they're so like they they just make this world feel so vibrant and so lived in. Um, so I think that when you combine the fact that Ocarina of Time really really like nailed down the like the parameters of the Zelda world in terms of you know introducing Ganondorf and and the Triforce of Power and Wisdom and Courage and and all of that. I think when you when you factor that in. When you factor in all the side characters and, and optional stuff that you can do and the connections that you make, and then you factor in just like the strong start to finish narrative, I think that I I think I'd give this a five. I was thinking maybe a four, but I think I am. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a five. I mean, fair enough. And like like you said, all that stuff is great. Um, I just think I don't know something about it. It was just like it kind of feels like I don't know how to say this because it's not negative. I'm not trying to be negative about it, but like. There was a lot of stuff that was started, I guess I would say, and like touched upon, and then it could have gone further, and maybe I would have given it a five. Like um, some of the side characters you were talking about, you know, like Mido, if you got more character development with him, you know, just aside from the two instances that you talk, you really talk to him, or and similar stuff like that with other side characters, um, maybe you got to. Um, you know, get to know some of the other sages a little bit more than you did. For for instance, uh, Niburo, you basically talk to her for two seconds, but you don't really have that as much of a connection to her as you do a lot of the other characters that you talk to because she's, like, the last one. Um, so I feel like things were touched, like, barely, and then they weren't, like, expanded upon, and maybe if they were, I would have given it a five. Like, it was, it was, like, a really good, solid start to story building for the Zelda series, but it just didn't quite push it for me. Mm, okay, I, I can accept what you're saying. I, although I don't think I agree, because like, you know, I, I'll give you Nabora though, because I feel like she's kind of the outlier there. But I, I also feel like the way that you meet these characters uh, as a child and then are reintroduced to them as like an adult and, and the way that the world is kind of changed in that time is like really effective storytelling. Um, and I guess I guess I would just say like, you know, looking at... I think I would say that Skyward Sword is uh, is certainly the best story in the series, but I look at the strength of that story, and it really does revolve around, like, the characters of Link, Zelda, Groose, and Impa, and maybe to a lesser extent, Girahim and Demise. Whereas, like, I feel like Ocarina of Time has, like, so much different, like, threads going on all at once that it, it it's an impressive package to me, but I, I, I can accept what you're yeah. saying. Okay. All right, you want to move on to the uh, to the pacing and progression here? Yeah, Al? pacing and progression. Uh, this is an easy five for me, personally. Okay, okay. I was wondering if we were going to get that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Okay. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah, like, it's just, um, it, it, it kind of sucks that my, my, my thoughts about pacing are a bit skewed by speedrunning, unfortunately. But even if I was playing this, like, just very... I'm thinking of when I first played it very organically, very like start to finish. Um, you know, my brothers and I played it together. We used the guidebook a little bit on some bits because it was a little bit difficult. But it was like from start to finish such a marvelous, marvelously, geez, I'm having a hard time with my words today. Uh, pace, story, gameplay. Um, there wasn't 
too many dungeons, which I'm always thankful for. Like, I love dungeons, but when they do too many, it just gets exhausting. Um, the first chunk of the story is, like, really, um, really immersive. You're, like, starting to get into it, and then, boom, they hit you with that seven-year sleep, and you're just like, whoa. And you're jumped into this adult part of the story. And from it's not even jarring like whatsoever. It feels so natural and so organic. And then you do, you know, the next five dungeons. And again, it's not like too long, too difficult, too much. And then before you know it, you're fighting Ganon after, you know, you feel like you've made a good amount of strength to get to that point in the game. And you're fighting Ganondorf and Ganon and saving Zelda. And from start to finish, it's just... I don't know. I it's hard it's hard for me to explain it any better than that. Like the pacing is just really good and I can't I can't think of another so, game that does better. I I think that the pacing in this game is quite good um because and, and like this is something that you do in in every Zelda game obviously, but I I feel like in Ocarina of Time it's like it's done particularly well where like you have like an overall objective but you have smaller more manageable mini objectives to go along with that and the story i feel like kind of bleeds into this which is another reason why i think the story is so great because like you can go and you can play um let's say the child portion of the game and you can almost do like like a chapter of each right like you can do like the opening dungeon and then you can do dodongo and then you can do jabu jabu and like those are very like bite-sized and manageable but you still do have this overarching goal and you can say the same thing of like a lot of other zelda games that that kind of do that as well like in twilight princess so your overarching goal is to get like the few shadows or is to get the pieces of the mirror or whatever but i feel like ocarina of time really kind of like keeps you keeps you moving at a good pace and never like sends you on a quest where it's just like ugh, i have to divert from what i'm doing to go and and do this yeah um, which like, I feel like, I don't know why I'm picking on Twilight Princess here, but uh, I'll use that as my example. Like, I feel like in Twilight Princess, it's like, okay, like we do want you to do all, to, to get this view shadow, but actually you have to go and, and get all these statues working or in Skyward Sword, like you have to go and collect tadtones and yeah, get the song of the exactly, hero or whatever. Exactly. Um, or, or, you know, even in Majora's Mask, like you have to, uh, you have to play this ridiculous song and climb up this mountain and, you know, create copies of yourself. We're like, I feel like Ocarina of Time is very, um, like you can go from one objective to the next, to the next, to the next. And it's like a, a much more con like contained experience, but still in the overarching, like grand scheme of things, it's a, you know, it, it doesn't feel like a slog, I guess, basically is the way that I'm trying to say. Um, and you do have the option to do all this extra stuff and, and all that good stuff. But the way that, yeah, I, I just feel like the way that you can keep moving from like, dungeon to dungeon is is very clever i feel like i feel like even though there are i mean what there's eight dungeons nine dungeons in this game if you include the final one um it never feels like too much mm -hmm. where like i feel like in some especially 2d zelda games you can get to a point where it's like this is too much like this is my like 12th dungeon and they're all starting to look the same yeah. um where I, I feel like Ocarina of Time avoids that, and that's kind of a 2D versus 3D conversation. But I also do feel like it avoids the trappings of later 3D games where it's like you need to go and do something like completely out of left field in order to get to your your final destination. Like, I guess you could maybe argue that you have to go and get, you know, you have to go through the wasteland to get to the Spirit Temple, but even that is really not that much. 
Um, you usually have to do something before you can get into the dungeon, but it's not like something outrageous or something that is going to take you like forever to do. And I think that Ocarina of Time really smartly and really efficiently does that quite consistently throughout the game. And like, even if you're speed running it, you can like, you can optimize this game really well. Yeah. Um, in order to keep it moving. So yeah, all that's all that stuff, like the pre dungeon stuff that I complain about in other games, it's really not a bother in Ocarina of Time. Cause like you said, it's, uh, it's pretty quick. It's like quick puzzles, you know, like the ice cavern. Um, and, you know, running through the desert with the lens of truth, all that kind of stuff. So it's not really grading and it doesn't halt your progression or your motivation to keep going. Whereas, you know, Twilight Princess, you have like two extra dungeons in there for the second half of the game. You've got the owl statues that you have to go get. Or in the Oracle games, you've got eight dungeons each. Um, Skyward Sword, you have to do the Song of the Hero. You have to do all this like these super long sequences before getting into the, the like the third dungeon of the game is just like it takes like two right. hours to get there and it's it's just well, not the best let me let me throw this out there too okay um in twilight princess you have to herd goats like six times <laughs> before you can get to the first dungeon okay <laughs> such an exaggeration. In, in ocarina of time you are you are in the deku tree within 10 minutes yep. okay yeah. so <laughs> You can't, yeah, you can't even compare. And and just to just to be fair, just to be fair, um, you know, in Skyward Sword, you are you're doing the whole ceremony. You're flying yep, around on your loft wing. There's none of that. Yeah. yeah, there's none of that here. So I I think that and even if like let's kind of run the gambit of the 3D games here. Like even in Wind Waker, like it it takes a while to kind of get going. You have to go through the, like the top forest to to get Errol and then the Forsaken Fortress. And like by the time that you're at uh, Dragonroot's Cavern, it's like I don't know, like three hours into the game, maybe not three hours, but it's, it's a little bit of a ways. So it's like, I feel like this game does a really good job of kind of getting you going and getting you from like one point to the next, to the next, to the next. And the extras, yeah, easy the fight. extras aren't even that grading either. Like you could be collecting the spells no. as you go, you could do the trading sequence and it really doesn't take you that long. Um, and all these other little extra mini games and stuff that you could be doing with side characters. It's just overall like, it's a well-balanced game, pacing-wise. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, let's keep it going here. Gameplay and combat. Al, I'm doing it again. Okay. I'm going to do it again. Okay. I'm giving it a five. I have to. I like this, this game is, I think, the most revolutionary game maybe ever made. And you could maybe argue that, like, Super Mario 64 kind of brought the world into 3D first. But, like... The amount of, of things that Ocarina of Time did that instantly, like instantly overnight, became industry standards is staggering. Like, Z-targeting is something that pretty much every single game has now. But that was, you know, that was Ocarina of Time. Uh, Context-sensitive buttons is something that every game has now. But that was Ocarina of Time. Like, the the way that, the way that this game controls 25 years later is still, like, incredibly incredibly solid the way that you kind of switch between you know third person and going into first person for items like bow or hookshot is seamless and fantastic the way that they brought the weapons um from the 2d world and made them work so fantastically in the 3d world i think is just like a, a such an achievement um the way like just the way that uh you know you can center the camera behind you like imagine you know, imagine something as simple as that being something that was so awesome 
back in the day to have. Like, you know, I play Super Mario 64 to this day, and I'm still frustrated by that camera, but I never get that playing Ocarina of Time. So, yeah, I mean, this, I feel like this has to be a five because every single game that you play today, I feel like almost takes inspiration from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. So to, to not, to deny it a five is to, I don't know. Like, it, this is, I, I think I could argue it's the most important game, like, in terms of setting the bar for other games and, and mechanics in other games that maybe, maybe was ever, was ever made. I don't know. But I, it's easy five. Um, I'm wondering, is this a, is this a game that we were arguing with somebody about the camera being weird? Is this, is that Ocarina of Time? Somebody, I can't remember who it was. But we were having a discussion. It wasn't really an argument. And they were saying that the camera was just really too finicky for them. And I can't remember it being that bad. Like, especially when you can just get yourself all situated by simply, like, Z-targeting something. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel like the camera uh, works really well, especially for the time, uh, you know, the first major 3D game of the Zelda series. And um, I do like um, a lot of the... Uh, different like sword um, skills that you get I kind of think that Twilight Princess really expanded well so did so did Wind Waker upon like the different skill moves you could use with a sword like um, rolling and jumping behind the enemy and slashing them on the back stuff like that so it started there with Ocarina of Time with the spin move and uh, jump slashing and such Um, I agree with everything you said about the items it made it feel like very personal, like you were the one using the items yourself um, when it took it to first person and um, aiming was like spot on, uh, throwing the boomerang and catching it was like a lot of fun for, you know, a game that came out in 1998, that was just amazing to do, you know what I mean? So uh, a lot of this stuff uh, I think really contributes to it. I just, I don't know if I'm, uh, I think maybe I would give it a five mostly out of just respect for what it did for the gaming industry. But that's, I think that's okay. the only man that pushed it to a five for me is just the respect of it. I just like, I mean, you play Ocarina of Time like today and it still feels like absolutely flawless. It controls flawless. I would say that like, perhaps I could understand the, um, the camera being maybe uh, an issue for like a younger player or a newer player. But I mean, we, we have to kind of think that like, dual analog camera controls didn't really become a thing until about 10 years ago like a, like a standardized thing in in video games until about 10 years ago i would say um so yeah i mean i think that like you know even if you weren't used to uh the camera the way it was you get used to it extremely fast and the rest of the game is just yeah. like so unbelievably fluid like yeah you don't have a bunch of like hidden techniques that you do in twilight princess but i mean this game was also released 25 years ago and it still holds up incredibly incredibly mm -hmm. well um and i didn't even really touch on the combat earlier but like the way that you i mentioned z targeting but like the way that you use z targeting to combat like to fight enemies as well is is pretty spectacular and the way that you have like your fairy that can kind of give you a little bit of information about you know enemies and stuff like that it, like all of it was ahead of its time and again it became like industry standards overnight so yeah i, I feel like it has to be a five um which brings us to the next category which is items and abilities. <laughs> and Allison, can you guess what my score is? Five. <laughs> I I mean, I'm looking for a category. I really am. I'm looking for one in Ocarina of Time that I that I can't give a five to. And I'm like, 
I, I can't I can't not give a pacing and progression a five. I can't not give gameplay a five. I thought that story was the one that I could maybe not give a five to, but I, I ended up on a five. But I'm looking at the items and abilities of this game, and like yeah, it's it's a five all day long, every day, and it kind of bleeds into what we were talking about with the gameplay, but like I mean, the way that they, they took these items from 2D Zelda, like the hookshot, like the bow, and, and seamlessly transition them to 3D is like incredibly incredibly uh just impressive uh you know the boomerang the slingshot like those are like those are awesome like items and and they were regular items in the zelda games but the way that they felt in this 3d game was so like spectacular that it just deserves like a ton of respect um and it is i mean it's not just like respect either there are some really like legitimately fun items in this game swinging around the megaton hammer is a blast uh you know, I think that the uh, the mirror shield was such a cool item, and the way that you could absorb like the elements and stuff was awesome. The mirror of truth was awesome. Uh, the, you know, the way that it introduced the different boots. I will say that the boots were definitely improved in the 3D version, of course, but just the idea of having like hover boots and and uh, and uh, the steel boots that that could kind of take you to the bottom of water. Um, you know, this game also introduced different tunics and and stuff like that, and, uh, you know, it also had the magic, which is also very cool, so, uh, it had, it had, like, a little bit of everything, it, it brought these items into 3D, and did a really impressive job, it introduced new and exciting items, um, it, it introduced, like, cool upgrades to existing items, like the ice arrows, and, like, the, uh, the fire arrows, and stuff like that, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think it's a five, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Um, I, uh, yeah, I agree. It's, it set a really, like, strong standard for the entirety of the Zelda series. Like, obviously, there were items in the 2D games, but, like, there's something to be said about taking those things and turning them 3D and then having them just be improved and improved and improved throughout the series, along with new things added, obviously, but this is, like, the standard crop of items for the rest of the series, um, that we see, and... I mean, I really, I really like all the items that you use in this game, and you use almost all of them, like, a, a lot. I think the ice arrows are probably the only thing you really don't need in the whole game. Um, and then the abilities, like I said, it, again, it kind of set the standard where you're, like, jump slashing and spinning and all that kind of stuff for all these cool things that, you know, get it, get improved in future games. So I know I kind of said that with... Um, like the art style where it was like a stepping stone and this is a stepping stone too but it was like a very very solid one for me so i would i would say five as well all right uh this next category isn't even fair <laughs> we're talking about the dungeons of ocarina of time i mean what what are you gonna say here al i mean um it's a, it's a five it has to be let me tell you this there are multiple games in this franchise where i would say the worst dungeon of Ocarina of Time is better than the best dungeon in that game. Yeah. I, I would I would say that for the DS games. I would say that for the Game Boy Color games. I would say that for... Uh, let's see. I might be tempted to even say that for Link's Awakening. I don't know. Like, uh, I would certainly say that for the NES games. Um, this... I mean, I, I'm not even going to sit here and pontificate about the dungeons because we've done that. We've actually definitively ranked the dungeons before. But I mean, like you go down, you, you look at the roster of these dungeons. It's ridiculous. You've got the Forest Temple, the Spirit Temple, the Shadow Temple, 
the the Jabu Jabu like these dungeons are some of the best in the series. I if I were to break the ranking, I'd give this a six. Actually, this is the one where I'd give an extra point. <laughs> um, I don't. I I <laughs> I'm having a hard time. Like I'm pretty sure I'm gonna give this a five because everything is so well themed, so well paced. Um. The enemies that are in these dungeons are great. I, even the water temple that most people hate on is uh, well-paced. It's a great puzzle. It has probably one of the coolest moments in the game in there where you meet, uh, you know, Dark Link. Oh, And man. that was something that I always looked forward to when I was playing as a kid was like, okay, when are we getting to the water temple to fight Dark Link? And when you're an adult, it's kind of not as like hype inducing as it was when you were a kid but it's still like one of the coolest moments in there and then there's a l bunch of other stuff that is great about the dungeons too you know helping Nibiru and then see that she kind of gets taken over and brainwashed to attack you is, is like an interesting twist in the spirit temple and then also you know tackling that temple both as child and adult link um I love when you are going through like the complete creepiness of the Shadow Temple, which I'm pretty sure I've ranked the total, like the top creepy dungeon of the whole series. I think the only thing I really don't like about the dungeons is Jabu Jabu. I just think that is the most ridiculous dungeon <laughs> in the series. Um, so that's like why I'm struggling to give it a five. But I, I think everything else makes up for my disdain for that dungeon. Yeah, one dungeon. Yeah. I mean. But I, I could sit here and say, I think I would probably rank Jabu Jabu my least favorite dungeon in the game. But I could sit here and tell you, Al, that I would rather play any, like, I'd rather play Jabu Jabu dungeon than any dungeon from the Oracle games. Yeah. Any dungeon from the NES games. Any dungeon from probably Link's Awakening. Any, like, you know what I mean? Like, the worst dungeon is better than many games' best dungeons. And I think that's saying something. And we didn't even touch upon, like, the beneath the well or the ice cavern mm -hmm. or ganon's castle where there's like a mini dungeon in each like i mean it's not even fair it isn't it's not even fair <laughs> yeah like i said i think everything else makes up for the fact that that's like makes it kind of a little bit imperfect but it's just one Kay. small area <laughs> compared to much bigger much better dungeons i i let's go to the enemies and bosses i feel like i can't even <laughs> I feel embarrassed at this point to be giving out another five, but I can't not give another five when we're talking about, like, Volvagia. We're talking about that epic Ganon fight at the end. We're talking about Phantom Ganon coming through the portraits. You know, even even King Dodongo is a, is a stellar boss fight. Um, like, there's... I go down the list here. Bongo Bongo is awesome. Morpha is great, especially when you can cheese it and get it in the trapped in the corner. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, like... There's not a twin Rova. Like what a, I, there's not in a bad fight in this game. And that's just the bosses. And like, you want to go down the list of some of the enemies. And you, again, you're talking about like just really, really well-designed enemies that were brought over so impressively from, from 2d to 3d. You know, I, I still cringe and shudder whenever I see like likes in, in Ocarina of time. They're absolutely horrifying to me. The, uh, I don't know what they're called, but those monstrous things that chase you in Hyrule Field are just absolutely terrifying. And speaking of terrifying, you'd get, you got dead hands in here. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know what to say. It's a five for me, Al. I, I wonder if you can do any difference. Uh, I won't. Are you talking about pea hats in Hyrule Field? Those giant plant things? The, the, the things that spin yeah. around with, like, the helicopter blades. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those are obnoxious. But, um... 
Horrifying. Uh, uh, again, this is one of those things, enemies in the Zelda series, or in Ocarina of Time, are one of those things that I look forward to getting to that point in bosses. So, you know, obviously Goma's great, King Jodongo's great, I'm not a huge fan of Baronade, right? That's his name, Baronade, I think. Uh, again, uh, yeah, I, I think Baronade's probably the yeah. worst one. and then, yeah. oh my god, Phantom Ganon's probably one of my favorites, Vlogia's fine, Morpha, not so much for me, but Bongo Bongo, Twin Rover, and Ganon and Ganondorf, like just all such solid fights that i always look forward to it's just like my my incentive to get to get to that point in the game i love fighting the um oh gosh what are they called the are they iron knuckles or whatever that are in yeah the iron knuckles those are those are awesome the spirit temple god yeah and then like when their armor falls up and they get faster and you're just like oh okay and they're so fun to fight um, there are some enemies that I'm, like, not a huge fan of fighting, like, Solfos and all that kind of stuff, but, like, who cares about them when you've got, like, all these really cool bosses to look forward to, and, like, all the minor guys you can kind of just zip through, and it's just, there's just so much fun to be had with fighting the bosses in that game, so it's a five for me, too. It's, it's not even fair. <laughs> it's not even fair. Like, it's, it's just, it's incredible. Um, all right, well, let's move on. I want you to go first here, Al. Okay. So, side content and extras. Side content. What okay. say you? Um, I, I'm going to give this a four. I think that's being... Uh, yeah, a four. Um, I think that it has a good amount of side content. It could have more. I think Majora's Mask did better side content-wise. Um, but it has, like, enough to kind of, like satiate your hunger for it while you're playing the rest of the game you've got a fun trading sequence you got also kind of a trading sequence with the masks where you can kind of get the masks to people which is kind of fun and it was like a precursor to Majora's Mask um you've got the skull tulas which isn't as harrowing as 900 Korok seeds so that's fine and you could do it throughout your whole adventure so again it's like when you decide to stop and go look for them that that are like in the outer world and um or the overworld it's not as bad at that point because you've already gotten like 50 up to that point so it's totally like it's a good one the reward might not be that great but it's still like fun and a good collectathon to do um some of the oh i mean what would you rather have 500 rupees or a golden piece of poop <laughs> i mean <laughs> uh, i i i call it bragging rights but whatever <laughs> like, um the mini games are always fun uh, it's good collection of mini games and um yeah like it just has a good collection of side side content and extras it just doesn't have much like it it, it obviously again was like a stepping ground for them to start doing that um, on a scale, on a 3D scale, and they obviously went to town in Majora's Mask and in future games. So, like, it was it was good, but not perfect. Okay, okay. So this is it. I was I was kind of hoping that you might be able to convince me to go lower. I actually I think you might have convinced me to oh, go higher God. when I was listening to you. And and let me tell you why. Because I I think I was like, should I give this a four? Or should I give this a five? And I've kind of talked about on this show before, sometimes less is more. And usually when I say that, it's in like regarding to dungeons and stuff like that. We've talked about that with the Oracles. We've talked about that with Twilight Princess. Uh, we talked about it with Breath of the Wild and Koroks and stuff like that. We're like, sometimes less is more. And when I was thinking, I was like, all right, like maybe I could give it a four because I feel like 
you know, obviously you're right. Like this, this game doesn't have the amount of side quests of a Breath of the Wild, and the side quests aren't as impactful as like a Majora's Mask. And and as I was listening to you say that, I was like, you know what? There are some like really fun mini games, and they got their start in Ocarina of Time, where like you have the uh, the the bomb chew game, which also we didn't mention for items. Um, you have the bomb chew game. You have like all the the shooting galleries. You have just all these like fun little mini games, like riding around on Epona, um, being able to shoot arrows in Gerudo Valley. I was like, all right, well that that's pretty awesome. I'm thinking to myself after that, I'm like, you have the entire Gerudo training grounds, which you kind of can come back to uh, over the course of a game if you choose to and progress further and further, or you can just fully equip yourself and then go in and do that uh, all at once, and that's pretty awesome. And then I'm thinking to myself. All right, well, we have Golden Skull Tulas, which, you know, are kind of your your overarching, like, side quest thing to collect. And that's pretty awesome. And it doesn't over... It's not, like, too much. Like, I, I think that, for me, like, I've never bothered to collect all of the, the Korok seeds in Breath of the Wild. Because I was like, there's just too much. I don't want to do... Like, I don't want to do uh, 900 of these. But, like, it kind of, like, almost like Pokemon, where it's like, I don't want to catch them all. But if there's only 150, okay, maybe I can catch them all. Um... And then I feel kind of like the same way with, with Koroks and Skultulas. And then I'm thinking to myself too, I'm like, well, there's like the Magic Bean side quest and that's really fun. And it leads you to all the different pieces of heart, which by the way, there are a ton of different pieces of heart in this game as well. And you can get to them in like such weird different ways. Uh, like I just, I have fond memories of like bombing random trees in Hyrule Field looking for that one little hole that would take you down and, uh, and, and get you to, uh, you know, the, the hidden grotto where you can, where you can buy the piece of heart from the Deku for like, for like 10, 10 rupees or something. And then I'm thinking to myself, like, you know what, there's, there is the mask side quest too, which I always really love. I loved finding the running man in the field and just tracking him down and stuff and just racing him, even though you can't beat him. And then I like, I kind of come back to this one as well, where it's like, you know, it's so ingrained in our in our brains that this is like part of the main story, but it's really not. It's really a side quest where like you can go and get Epona and you can, you can go and free Epona from Lon Lon Ranch and you can meet Malin and you can meet Talon and all those different guys. And like, you, you know, you form that bond with Epona and like, so I'm thinking to myself, like, God, there's, there really is like a ton of stuff to do in this game. And like, I really love doing all of it. And I think, I think it, it has to, this was the one where I was like, maybe this isn't going to be a five. And I said it earlier, this is the other category I was talking about, but I think, I think that it might have to be a five L. I think it might have to be. I'm sorry. Okay. I mean, fair. And I didn't even, I didn't even mention Begorn's sword and that training quest <laughs> and all like the ridiculous stuff that you can do there too, which is also awesome. And, and meeting the great fairies and finding them throughout the world, like. Uh, it's great finding the sun song like there's so much cool stuff there is a lot of cool stuff but i i don't think you convinced me to move it even higher i thought four was being gracious i almost gave it a three to be honest but you know i i'm gonna stick with my four okay well and, and like i mean obviously like a lot of a lot of what i a lot of my scores here are informed by you know i remember doing this for the first time and if like you know, this is this is when I fell in love with Zelda, right? Mm -hmm. Like doing running around in Hyrule Field and trying to beat the Running Man, even though he beat me by one second again, and like finding that little hole in in Kokiri Forest that I could fall down into and, and get the upgrade for my Deku sticks, even though I didn't need it because I never used Deku sticks. That's the kind of stuff that I really remember fondly about about this game and about the the extra content. So I was I was a little bit 
inclined maybe to give it a four, but I just like hearing you talk about some of that stuff. When I asked you to go first, Al, I was like, I just, I love this. I love this kind of stuff. Fair enough. I, it is all very, very fun and very great. And it's also fun when you haven't played the game in a few years, or at least when you have played it, it's been like just quick little playthroughs of it. But when you go back and do all that stuff again, after several years of not doing it, it feels almost new. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. We have one category left, Al, and it's music. And music, I would say that usually when we do these games, that music is usually the highest ranking score. Would you agree with that? Uh, Yeah, I think it depends on the game, really. Okay, well, I feel like it's usually pretty consistently high. And uh, we also do the definitive ranking on the Omega Metroid podcast, and I feel like on, on Omega Metroid, like, Music is also, like, the one category where, like, you can usually consistently expect, like, a high score. And I feel like it's no different for Ocarina of Time. Um, this this is probably the easiest five of the entire of the entire bunch. Even even easier than pacing, even easier than world, even... Maybe not as easy as dungeons, because that's a pretty easy five. But, I mean, like, again, kind of like I was talking about with the bosses and the dungeons. You go down the list, it's not even fair. You have... You know, for me, I love the Forest Temple theme. That's my all-time favorite Zelda track ever. But even even kind of taking that out, you have Gerudo Valley, which is just an iconic, uh, an iconic theme. You have you, you know you have the ones that everybody loves. You have the Gerudo Valleys. You have the Temple of Times. You have the nice long, long ranch. It's calm and relaxing. You have the very whimsical Kokiri Forest and the iconic Lost Woods tunes. So you have those tracks that everybody loves. You have like the kind of up like the the remix upgrade tracks from the 2D series as well. You have like the Zelda's Lullaby. You have actually you don't have the uh, the main Zelda theme, but you do have the Ocarina of Time title theme, which is an, an incredible theme as well. Um, and then you kind of have like the deep cut tracks. Like I really love the Water Temple theme. It's so kind of creepy and ominous. I think the Spirit Temple is again one of the best themes in the series. It's so like it's it's so fantastic. Uh, the Ice Cavern. I feel like is a really wicked theme. Um, and then and then on top of that, you also have like the little ocarina themes, which like the serenade of water, I absolutely love. The uh, the the forest theme is spectacular. Again, like it's not even fair. Like and, and I've left out so many awesome tracks that I could keep going and going and going and sound like a broken record here, but um yeah, I mean the, just just an easy five. You know, just I can hear the Hyrule theme they're the Hyrule Field theme in my head right now as I'm as I'm riding around on Epona. Uh, so just a just a spectacular, spectacular soundtrack. Oh, I'm gonna disappoint you. <laughs> this is not an easy five for me, mostly because I have soundtracks I like way more. I have more favorite tracks from other games than I do Ocarina of Time, and that isn't to say that Ocarina of Time's music is bad in any way. It's fantastic. Like, I love Gerudo Valley. I love Kokiri Forest. I love, you know, a bunch of the Ocarina songs. It's just not as strong as my love for other game soundtracks. Like, I think I think Skyward Sword has to be my favorite soundtrack, and it's probably safe for, like, maybe one song on there, the best soundtrack, in my opinion, of the whole series. So... I I would give this game of uh the music of this game a four, you know because there is a lot of really strong tracks and a, a lot of hummability, you know gotta get that word in there, but I think after doing musical March Madness I realized how much I didn't have Ocarina of Time songs winning, 
um, in like I I had a few like, but then they were quickly swiped away by other songs from other games. So I I think it's a strong one, just not as strong as others. So I'm gonna give it a four. Um, so I w- when I was doing my stream yesterday, um, the uh, my my co-host of the Omega Metroid podcast is a guy named Duminal Crossing, and he's like a music major, and he was busting out like this ridiculous music terminology. I think he said the word like operatic at one point like referring to an actual opera and i was like oh yeah operatic right and i was thinking of your word hummability there and i, I was i wanted to bust that out but he was he was gone and, and he's talking about tenors and tubulance and whatever tubulance. so yeah tubulance and operatic oh so gosh. i was like yeah that this sounds great yeah um yeah i, I don't know like I, I mean if you were to ask me I would give Skyward Sword a five as well, and I'd probably give The Wind Waker a five mm-hmm. um, additionally, mm-hmm. and I might even I might even give Majora's Mask a five too, even though that uses a lot of the same music from uh, this game. But I mean, I, I guess I see what you're saying. Um, to me, I, I feel like the standout tracks in this game are like so strong that it, it like I don't know. I, I feel like there you have like such strong headline tracks that everybody knows. You have, like, a really, really solid undercard of tracks in, like, the dungeons and stuff like that that maybe you don't realize that they sound as good as they do, but when you're in them, they really add to the atmosphere. And you have, like, a a really strong selection of, like, kind of remixes or updated themes. So I I think that this soundtrack is, like, honestly the complete whole package. Would I say... I I think that, you know, obviously I love Skyward Sword 2, and I think that that game's soundtrack is, is also incredible. Um... So I I don't know I'm I'm not necessarily trying to compare them, um, but I am I am saying that like I think that the songs of, of Ocarina of Time are like so strong that I just can't not give it that top score. Okay, fair enough. I'm I'm, I'm there. We go. Mine, so <laughs> we're at the end. So I've been keeping I've been keeping score here, okay. Al. I'm keeping score. So uh, you have uh, do some quick math while I read this up. So you have. A five, a four, a four, a five, a five, a five, a five, a five, a four, and a yeah. four. I think that's uh, 4.6 on the... I think... So I think that's 4.6. Yep. Yes, you're right. Okay, so I have a five, a five, a five, a five, a five, a five, a six for dungeons, a five, a five, and a five. Can you cheat? Do you have any idea what that is? Can you cheat with the six for dungeons? <laughs> I, I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure but I that would you be know, like 5. I, I don't 1, see right? yeah I don't see any like regulatory bodies here or commissioners so I I think I think I'm gonna cheat <laughs> so I give Ocarina of Time out of five it ends up with a five point one out of five on the Spateri scale <laughs> the Spateri. where Allison has a four point six which might be I don't know I, that that might be as high if not higher than our Skyward Sword. Um, definitive ranking because oh, i like listen to that or look at my notes i can't even remember at this point yeah somebody needs to do that for us because like i i absolutely love skyward sword too but i would say that like the low points of that game are much more lower than like the low points of ocarina of time um the high points i think are just as high but some of the lower points are a little bit lower like and i feel like obviously judging by my score here ocarina of time is just like fairly consistently high um but i i do think like the story of Skyward Sword. I don't know why we're comparing to Skyward Sword so much here, but probably because it's the last game that we did. But this, the story of Skyward Sword would be like my six as well. Maybe it's even a seven. I don't know. But it, like it, that that one that one part of it is so strong for me that it kind of hides a lot of other deficiencies where I feel like like 
Ocarina of Time really doesn't have any deficiencies that need hiding. Yeah, you know I'm I mean? trying to think of what my what I would be scoring for Skyward Sword now, and I think I would wind up with a 4.8, 4.9, which kind of makes sense because when I definitively rank the series as a whole, I, Skyward Sword is at top and Ocarina of Time is number two. So, like, I feel personally I've got a very authentic score for how I feel about these games, but obviously, like, as a whole, Ocarina of Time is much less problematic than a lot of the games in the series and it's much more it's much closer to perfection so it's it's definitely a standout and deserves to be like at a 5.1 out of five <laughs> five that's ridiculous <laughs> tell you guys i can hear like cory already just being like ah 5.1 ah. but i i stand by it and i'm not going to pretend that like i'm not obviously you know biased because this was my first zelda game uh this is the game that this is not only the game that caused me to fall in love with Zelda, but this is really the game that caused me to fall in love with video games just in general. Mm -hmm. Like, before I played Ocarina of Time, I just kind of, like, played video games as, like, a fun thing to do, like, for a couple minutes here and there. But, like, man, when I played Ocarina of Time, I was like, this is, like, this is incredible. Like, this is just this other world is so mesmerizing and, and just so uh, fantastic. So, yeah, I think that uh, for me... I think that I ended up with the right score, and, and I think that you ended up with the right score for you as well. Yeah, so, I um, agree. Yeah. What game do you think we should definitively rank Ooh, next? That's the question. We, I think we've done Wind Waker and Skyward Sword and then Ocarina of Time. I don't know if we've done another one. I think I think we did Twilight Princess, didn't oh, we? Oh, God. I want to say we I did. No. Um. All right. Well, I know for sure that next week we're going to be talking about a game that might not be getting a 4.6 <sighs> out of 5 on Al's ranking. We are talking about the adventure of Link, Zelda 2. So we are doing an Ask Us Anything. So you can uh, ask us anything. You can ask us a question about the adventure of Link, and you can ask it to us on Twitter. Um, you can ask it to us on Discord. And you can, wherever, on Facebook, we'll get it. Make sure that you get your Adventure of Link questions in. Let's try and be more creative than would you like to see this game remade because I feel like we'll answer that once and then we'll move on. <laughs> but um, yeah, ask us any questions about that game. I'm going to fire it up and give it a go for the first time in a couple months. I don't know if Al's going to do the same or not. She has a hate on for that game, but we'll we'll try and convince oh her to. But yeah, that is next week. Adventure of Link. Ask us anything. Get those questions in. Discord, Twitter, Facebook. Let us know what you want answered about the adventure of Link. Are you looking forward to that, Al? Is that going to be a good time? Um, I'm looking forward to the second that it's over. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to clicking stop record. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us. Uh, once again, next week, Adventure of Link Q&A. Get those questions in. Twitter, Discord, Facebook, Reddit, whatever. Uh, make sure that you're asking us something. Um, we are going to get out of here for this week. Of course, we want to encourage you to follow us over on Twitter at Spateri316, at Allison Aletha, and uh, make sure that you are subscribing to the Champions Cast over on Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe. Uh, tell that Zelda fan in your life where they can get their weekly Zelda fix. If you are so inclined, head over to Omega Metroid's Patreon page where you can get the Spateri Show a bonus show where I talk about stuff. I just talk about like um, random kind of video game adjacent stuff. So uh, it's a it's a collection of Spiteri thoughts. So if you have not gotten sick of me on this show yet and you want to hear some more stuff, head on over to uh, patreon.com forward slash Omega Metroid and, and check that out. Um, that is it. That's all. We'll see you guys here next week for Adventure of Link Q&A. Take care. <laughs>